This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. everyone and welcome to burn it all down the interview segment this is lindsay gibbs and i am honored today to be joined by elizabeth williams the center for the atlanta dream i believe maybe third time burn it all down guest just a regular here on the podcast uh and uh, she's also a center for botash the uh team in turkey and she's actually coming to us from turkey right now Elizabeth, hi. Thanks for being hi. here. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I know I do feel like a regular now. You really are. You're you're one of the one of the spot. We got to get you more merch. Um, that's on me. Uh, <laughs> but okay, so obviously we want to talk about the work that you and the Atlanta Dream, the entire WNBA, did to um, support Raphael Warnock and help flip the Senate. Um, but a lot has happened since Tuesday night. And I guess my first question for you is just, how are you, (laughs) where are you? And, you know, what has it been, where were you when you first saw this insurrection unfolding? Um, the same place I was when I learned of Warnock's news, which was in my bed. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I was getting a lot of my information, you know, via text messages and Twitter and social media. And then usually the timing of everything, like I'm either asleep or like in bed. So yeah, but, but I'm okay. You know, it's, it's crazy, especially being a foreigner in another country, um, seeing this from afar because you almost like are glad that you're distanced from it. Um, But you also can see like that the entire world is watching and they're, you know, just as disappointed as I am. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming maybe incorrectly that you've, your teammates have been asking about this, that this has been a, has this been a topic of conversation um, with your teammates in Turkey? Yeah, there's one teammate I've talked to more than most when it comes to like political stuff. Um, And so it was funny. I guess that was Wednesday morning when I walked in. I had a big smile on my face and she was like, is this about all that political stuff you're always posting? And I was like, yeah, (laughs) Warnock won. Like, this is huge. And then the next morning (laughs) I walked in and we looked at each other and and I was like, well, this is the other side of all of this. So, yeah, it's um, I talked to my coaches a little bit, too, because obviously they they can follow all this stuff on the news but yeah it's really it's really wild um and it's scary you know like that it just shouldn't happen that that's kind of the thing that even in my conversations that I got from this like this type of thing should not happen and I think it's a big reality check for a lot of people 
Yeah, I think there's been so much justification and minimization of rhetoric and of everything over the past four years and even for much longer. And this is, you know, um, I think especially um, Black women and immigrants and um, Muslims and all these people who are the target of this rhetoric have known that this isn't just, these aren't just words, right? Right. But all of a sudden it was like on display for the entire like um, world to see what what these words look like in action. Um, are you playing games in the midst of all this? What is the schedule like right now? And uh, I feel like I do have to ask, uh, you know, with, with COVID and everything, like what, what just, what, what, how are you compartmentalizing this? Yeah, so we, um, we actually haven't had a game since last weekend, we play tomorrow. So um, just been practicing all week and okay. we always get COVID tested two days before the game. So like there's enough time to reschedule or postpone if teams have issues. So my last COVID test was yesterday. I mean, I don't really go anywhere. <laughs> and I think that's why I've stayed COVID free. I literally just go to practice and home and games. And, uh, but there are also restrictions here. So like after 9 PM, you can't be out on the weekends, you can't be out. So like when we have our games on the weekends, um, we have to show our paper basically saying, you know, like we're athletes, we have a game, like that's why we're out. So yeah, it's a little different, but during the day, like everything's pretty much open. Yeah, um, that's, so there are actual restrictions. All right, so, you know, I feel like, you know, we're talking about this bad stuff, but like you said, there's, this is the other side of it. and it's very easy for the insurrection and for everything, all the violence that has happened this week to overshadow what happened about 12 hours beforehand, mm -hmm. which was uh, Raphael Warnock getting elected to the Senate. And um, for you, and I think for a lot of WNBA fans, um, this particular story kind of starts last July when WNBA players are arriving in the Wubble and the co-owner of the Atlanta Dream, um, whose name we don't mention, sends an open letter to Kathy Engelbert and is very anti-Black Lives Matter, calling the protesters mobs, um, just a, an incredibly unsubtle and racist letter. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about when you first read that letter and those initial conversations with your teammates? I remember the conversations were hard uh combination of what was said and just the makeup of our team we had a lot of free agents this year so I think for them it was like whoa like I just I just joined this team like what is happening <laughs> um and then obviously the language behind it you know we had put such a big effort in you know dedicating the season to the say her name movement and to Black Lives Matter and everybody you know feels very strongly about um, about these issues, you know, as, as a league and team with majority of black players, like this is very personal. So it was initially just kind of gathering all those emotions. And then also when we were talking, we we're like, like, you know, at the end of the day, like we're still here to play basketball and we still have a very unique platform and we're still a powerful, incredible woman. So we are obviously gonna say something and we also want to do something. And it was kind of that the doing something was the hardest part, you know, creating the statement was, was difficult, but not as hard. But once we tried to 
trying to figure out what to do in addition was was probably the toughest part. So let's talk about that statement, which you all released. Um, so the, the whole team released a letter. It was signed by most um, members of the Dream. But it was a very weird situation because you had even beyond uh, what was happening with your your owner, you had a rocky start to the wobble because you had multiple players mm-hmm. testing positive for COVID. You had Courtney Williams, who wasn't even in uh, the wobble. So she's back. Yeah. Um, and then, you, like you said, you're the one of two players who was returning and the only player who'd been there more than two years. So right. um, how do you even go about communicating as a whole um, about that? I mean, it was a Zoom call, first of all, just because of all the circumstances, yeah. <laughs> even though we were in the bubble, it was a Zoom call. Um, and I think it was just like a reminder of who we were and why we were there. And we wanted to make sure that she wasn't getting all of the attention, um, you know, despite what was happening. And I think it made a lot of sense to go that way because of other players not really even having a relationship with her to begin with Um, and so I think that's what helped kind of establish how we wanted to move forward did you feel the pressure did you feel like everyone is watching to see what what we do and what we say uh yeah a little bit I mean there were other players and other teams that obviously had things to say, but it's, it's different when it's your team, you know, it's different when you're, (laughs) you're the one being talked about, like, this is your owner. So yeah, in that sense, it was difficult. And I, I think I felt the pressure a little bit, but again, just because we did have these conversations and had the support of our staff, like it made a difference. After the letter was released and it's still training camp time and you with the Players Association, um, you're the secretary of the Players Association, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Start figuring out, okay, well, we've, we've released our statement, but obviously we want to do an action. How did the idea come about to start looking um, at her political opponents? So we have our executive committee group chat we're always, you know, throwing ideas out there. Um, we have a player reps group chat, like just a bunch of group chats. <laughs> and I think, I think it was Sue and our executive committee group chat said, since we can't really do anything about her ownership, like we should look at who's in that Senate seat. Like this is a big election year. And so that's when we contacted Lisa Borders and Stacey Abrams, who's on our union's board of advocates, because they kind of They already have the political background Um, and we were able to learn about Warnock and get connected to him. And he was really open to having a conversation with us um, because we wanted to see what he was about. We wanted to vet him. We didn't just want to like randomly pick somebody. Um, And so he was great and his staff was on the call and he talked about, you know, his, his work as it related to social justice and protesting and, and all that he wanted to do. So then we ultimately decided, all right, like, this is our guy and we're, and we're going to support him. What in particular, what were the policies that, um, you know, that he was promoting that made you feel confident about um, supporting him? Um, I would say these are just like first in my head, not necessarily priority. Uh, reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights, uh, criminal justice reform. Um, kind of all the things that we've been talking about. Yeah, (laughs) those are big ones. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
those matter uh, a lot. <laughs> um, and you, you mentioned that Lisa Borders, who's the former WNBA president, and I know had a, um, a close relationship with you all. And then of course, Stacey Abrams, who um, sure most of our listeners are aware of the work that she has done in Georgia to um, help organize and register voters and gain momentum. So first of all, what, how wonderful that two people who were so connected in the Georgia political scene right. were, you know, were so close to the WNBA and also two people who helped the WNBA come to Atlanta in the first place. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't realize that Stacey Abrams played a big part in getting the team in Atlanta. So it's pretty cool that this all kind of ironically came full circle yeah just what a full circle moment okay so you you decide uh you know we want to support warnock at the time he's polling nine percent i believe so i think it's important for people to remember it wasn't necessarily an obvious choice he wasn't a, a household name at this point when you talked about making the endorsement how did you want to let that know did the the idea for the t-shirts was that the first thought that you all had um, or were there other ways you thought about going about making that endorsement? I think t-shirts ended up being the first idea because we had been doing so much with t-shirts. You know, we had the Arrest the Cops Who Killed Breonna Taylor t-shirts. Um, we were wearing the Black Lives Matter shirts and warm-ups. And with our increased media attention and increased TV games, anytime we walked into the arena, you know, there, there are pictures being taken of what we were wearing. And so it was like, all right, this is the perfect opportunity by wearing shirts to support and promote Reverend Warnock. Did those Vote Warnock t-shirts already exist? <laughs> I know his campaign didn't even start selling those t-shirts until after you all um, made your statement. Yeah, they didn't have the shirts before. I think it was Sue who got them made. And then we were like, okay, it's not only about, you know, Atlanta wearing the shirts, like everyone should wear these shirts. And you know, the best time to wear the shirts would be when Atlanta had its first nationally televised game. So it was really cool that everyone had the opportunity and it, it wasn't mandatory, but everyone had the opportunity to wear the shirts and, you know, no better time than, than when, you know, we're going to be playing on national TV. Yeah. So what happened was, I think there was maybe multiple TV games that night. And so the first was Atlanta Dream versus the Phoenix Mercury. And um, the majority of both teams come out in Vote Warnock t-shirts. And of course, later, the Seattle Storm also wore them, the Chicago Sky, the Aces. But it became, you're right, like a league-wide thing. Were you all nervous before you stepped off the bus in those shirts? Yeah, I, yeah, I think everyone was a little nervous. Uh, it's, it's a big deal supporting and promoting a political candidate. Who is going against the owner of your team. I mean, that's the, like, it's not just any political yeah. candidate. <laughs> He's not just any candidate, right? So yeah, it was a bit nerve wracking. I don't think there was like fear that we're gonna get kicked off the team or something like that. I think it was just more, the whole situation was pretty intimidating. But again, because there was so much support from other players in the league, it's, it was reassuring, like, this is, we're doing the right thing. Yeah, and I mean, talk about intimidating. I remember, you know, being on 
we're all on Zoom media. You get like three players who are put up in front of the camera and that's it, right? Yeah. And I remember one of the players was Kennedy Carter, who's a rookie, right? And I think she had had a big game. And I remember being like, and I was like, I've got to ask her about this. You know, she's she's there in the Warnock t-shirt. Like I'm putting her on the yeah. spot. I hate that I'm doing that, but it's wrong if I don't ask. And she was really comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, you know, she just said, yeah, like he, we support everything, you know, he stands for and vote Warnock. You know, she didn't uh, shy away from the moment at all. How does it feel? I mean, you are so young and you haven't been, you know, in the league for like a decade or anything, mm-hmm. but on that particular team, you are the vet, you are uh, the leader. It is, it is a pretty young team. Mm-hmm. Was there a sense of pride seeing how your younger teammates were handling this moment? Uh, I guess so. I I mean, for me, like, I think it's kind of how I approach anything. Like, I want everyone to be prepared. So I was, you know, <laughs> making sure everyone had the right messaging points and, you know, hopefully we're confident and clear. And that's that was another reason when we started this, we were saying you don't have to wear the shirts, right? Because if you don't feel comfortable even talking about it, then you probably shouldn't shouldn't be wearing it. So for me, I was just glad that the message was kind of being effectively communicated. Uh, And so I think I took more pride in that. That is the peak Elizabeth Williams answer. (laughs) I love that so much. everyone, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all- Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because with virtual interviews, Indeed saves you time. You can message, schedule, and interview top talent all in one place. Indeed knows that when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why when you sponsor a job, you only pay for quality applications from resumes in our database matching your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. 
So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com join. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? This is Shireen, and I have struggled with anxiety and depression in the past. I've often turned to counseling and therapy to help me through. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. But this service is available for clients worldwide. Flamethrowers, wherever you are, BetterHelp can help you. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, which may not even be possible in a pandemic anyway. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read testimonials that are posted there daily. Visit betterhelp.com slash burn, that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they have started recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Burn It All Down listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash burn. That's betterhelp.com slash B-U-R-N. What do you remember about the reaction to the t-shirts? A lot. It just kind of piqued a lot of people's interest because... Like you said, he was polling at 9%. So even people in Georgia really didn't know who he was. And because it was such a national thing and we had teams from all over wearing the shirts, people started asking questions, you know? And I also think there's obviously surprise. People were surprised to see us do something like that and also very impressed because we could have easily not taken the high road and just like, started bashing our co-owner and saying, you know, like we support Black Lives Matter, like you're a hater, you're this, you're that. And we decided that that wasn't the way that we wanted to go with this. And we'd been so strategic with all our social justice work that this was like the perfect culmination of everything that we'd done. Was it hard not to be reactionary during this whole thing? (laughs) Like, cause a lot of, like you mentioned, a lot of players throughout the league did go straight to Twitter, right? And did speak out in that way. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, right? Like it was good to have voices there. How hard was it not to go that route? Yeah, that that was probably the toughest part because 
like everybody has such different emotions and different mindsets when it comes to this type of stuff. So yeah, it was hard. It was hard to make sure that everyone was same page and to make sure that people aren't like just saying crazy stuff. Right. Um, but we also knew that the way for this to be effective is if we do it in this way. And so I think once people started to understand that, that's how we kind of moved into the, the right direction and things were, were going the right way. Was there tension? Were there people who wanted to go a different direction? Players who were like, I want to tweet about this. Like, I want to take a stand in this way. Yeah, that's, that's definitely fair to say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's like that with anything. You, you've got so many, so many personalities, so many people, like even in CBA negotiations, like it's just the way human beings are. <laughs> and so it's creating a strategy and then ultimately agreeing that this is the best strategy, even if you don't, even if that wasn't necessarily your first instinct. Okay. So, you know, you keep having these conversations throughout the wobble, but one of the best things is you didn't stop the work when the season ended. Cause in many ways, the campaign was really just the beginning. Um, so, so what groups did you connect with? And um, was there anything um, that, that you learned kind of about the grassroots level of political organizing and about activism? Uh, it's a lot, it's really hard. It's, uh, I think the first group was probably Fair Fight just because it's Stacey Abrams organization um new georgia project um and, and then i did some work with more than a vote and i know they had some people on the ground in atlanta and our our union also has worked with rock the vote for a while and so the voter registration stuff was really huge for us and for me since i'm doing everything remotely it looked a lot like you know doing psas or recording videos um and I noticed that for these organizations, it does make a difference when they have celebrities or professional athletes that are amplifying what they're doing, which is unfortunate because they're doing really, really good work, but it was really helpful for them. And I think that fortunately it's allowed people to see their work and to donate to them and actually help them in what they're doing and allowing there are people to go out and knock on doors. So yeah, it's it's been really powerful to see. And I think it also inspired a lot of us um, in our off season to stay involved. And I feel like that's why you saw, you know, NECA and Cheney being poll workers, or you see, you know, NBA players um, making sure that arenas are, are places where people can do early voting. So it's it's been a, a cool journey to see to see everyone's involvement for sure. You also had two teammates, um, Tiffany Hayes and Renee Montgomery, who opted out of the WNBA season to kind of focus on activism and social justice work in part. Um, and I know they've done some work on the ground. Were you connected at, at all to them? And did you kind of stay in contact with them about you know, the work that they were able to do outside the level? Yeah, it was important when we had our statement to have Renee and, and Tip like be aware of what what we were saying and have them sign um, and say even though like they're not with us physically yeah. that this is just as important for for what they're doing and Tip was she has her own gym and so she was making sure people were registering to vote 
And I feel like Renee was just everywhere, doing everything. Uh, Literally <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, wow, I can't even keep up with her to be honest. There must be five Renee Montgomerys. Like that's the only way that she gets that much done. <laughs> yeah, it, it was nuts. So um, I think there were some things that were just kind of specific to the wobble and what we're doing, just because like we're showing shirts and like doing these things related to the games, but. I did always try to keep her up to date, especially as it related to stuff with the team. Yeah, and um, how has the process been for you to all of a sudden now leading this team, leading the league as a whole on this big issue? Were there any moments where you felt unprepared in any way or overwhelmed by the moment or did it feel like you were where you're supposed to be? Uh, I, I feel like I was where I was supposed to be. I felt like it was a gradual progression. Um, I went to my first protest in the summer, like early in the summer in Atlanta. And I think that was the first moment where I was kind of putting the knowledge with the emotion of what, of what was happening. And I think after that, then things just started happening. I think it was also that plus if I think back to like CBA negotiations, right? Like there's a level of responsibility there. And so kind of constantly building on this position of feeling a sense of responsibility and then plus learning plus emotion. And then you get into the bubble and your co-owner writes this letter. So it kind of fell into place where I was like, okay, I feel like I'm in the position where it's appropriate for me to speak up and I'm getting more comfortable in speaking up. And it just kind of kept growing as, as stuff kept happening. So uh, November happens and all of a sudden this candidate that you endorse has the focus of the entire country on him because there's a chance to actually flip the Senate. Were you in Turkey during this whole time? And kind of what was, what went through your mind when you realized that all of a sudden this candidate that, that you were uh, publicly endorsing, that there was a chance to flip the Senate? Yeah, I was actually home in Atlanta for a break the week of the general election, but like I, I went back like a week later. So I always thought about back in August when we had talked with Reverend Warnock, how he said, you know, he was so confident and he said, you know, I might not win in the general, but when it comes to January, I'm going to win. Like he, he literally said that. And I think he knew just because of the way the ballot was with so many names and he's literally at the bottom because of, because it's alphabetical, <laughs> like him getting 50% was just like not going to happen. Yeah. So I was, I was home for that. And it was just, it was crazy to think that like, wow, this runoff actually is happening. Like this is, <laughs> this is what he said. And, and I think I was starting to feel the confidence too, that he could win. Were you able to sleep through that night on uh, January 5th, January 6th? Uh, how, how far ahead are you in Turkey? Like, what was the timeline and was there any sleep? <laughs> I, I'm eight hours ahead. So I, it's like the worst time difference for like polls closing at seven. So I kind of fell asleep and then I would wake up and then get updates and then I'm like okay like I really need to sleep so it's kind of like I think I got a total of four or five hours so but then in the morning it was like my morning I think all right for sure Warnock most likely Ossoff and I 
was like, whoa. I just initially felt relief because it had been such a long process. But then I was like, wow, this is really cool. (laughs) Were any of those group chats lighting up? Yes, always. (laughs) Are you one of those people who like puts the group chat on mute until you like- (laughs) I actually should. (laughs) Well, I sleep with do not disturb, so that helps. But I can imagine the dream players and the WMB as a whole, like was their collection- you know, were you all kind of collectively experiencing this together, even though you're at all corners of the world? Yeah, yeah. And it was like, oh, it was funny, like kind of the delays too, between people like in different places overseas. So. <laughs> That's really amazing. Do you expect LeBron James to be your new team owner? Uh, <laughs> is my next question. <laughs> Josh. Um, I'm not sure. There are a lot of names that put their, their names in the hat after that tweet. Like, Kerry Washington and Mookie Betts and, and all these people. So um, I don't I don't know if I, I'm expecting that. Uh, I mean, I am expecting there to be a change in ownership. Like that's very fair to say. Um, for for a number of reasons, like just with everything that's happened, I I wouldn't expect her to want to remain as a co-owner either, right? So, um, but I don't know about LeBron, but we'll see. <laughs> I mean, my hope is like, you know, we can have new WNBA teams as well, yeah. right? Like there, there's room for everyone here, people. Like, Yes, exactly. We can just expand. Like, Yeah. How important is it for you, for the franchise though, to stay in Atlanta? I think it's big. I, I believe we're the only WNBA team between like Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky. Like there's just no other team in that area. And it's just a big basketball city. Um. So I, I do I do think it's important to to make sure we're still in Atlanta, but I mean I'd be open to expansion yeah. too. Like I'd love to see some more teams for sure. Yeah, like especially after all of this, right? After the team has been so integral, the team who's you know named after the I have a dream seat. Yeah, absolutely. For me, after all of this, after seeing the the team so involved in the Senate race and um, with Georgia, I think it would be sad for, and also, like you said, there's no other teams um, in in this part of the world. Yeah. Uh, Okay. I know I got to let you go and get some sleep um, over there, but I guess, what, what have you learned about just the work that goes in and what would you tell other athletes or just fans or just people about really getting involved in maybe demystifying you know the actual work itself (laughs) yeah that's uh that's a big question I I think one thing is that your voice can end up being really big and to not be afraid of that um I think when we started all this like regardless we were going to do the work um but I it's kind of cool to see just the massive impact that we did have. But a lot of that was because we had conversations and we strategized and we reached out to people that we know have been doing this for a long time, right? Like you have to give, you know, Lisa Borders and Stacey Abrams their credit in what we were able to do. So, you know, athletes, you can reach out to these organizations and ask questions and say like how can I help and there are definitely so many ways and so many different things that you can do to to make a difference so um even our league of only 12 teams helped to do something really incredible so athletes can do anything 
Athletes can do anything. And so can the rest of us. Like the rest of us can get involved too. You know, in North Carolina, and there's been a lot of like, well, who's going to be the Stacey Abrams for North Carolina? And it's like, you try, you do it, you know, just like everybody step up and do the work, right? And stop waiting for yeah. someone to like come yeah. in and rescue you, you know? And you don't have, you don't even have to be the Stacey Abrams, right? Like you can just be the poll workers in a county that just doesn't have poll workers. Like that is, that's a game changer when it comes to, to elections. So like, there are just different things. You don't even have to be that huge person, but you still make a huge difference. Well, I think that's the perfect place to end this. Um, Elizabeth, thank you again. Um, you know, honorary co-host, uh, you're getting close to just taking taking over here on Burn It All Down. <laughs> um, but we're so appreciative of your time and um, so happy uh, just with, with all the work you all have done. And it's just been, it's been yeah. fun to see you grow over the years and just to see what a, what a momentous occasion for it to kind of have built to. And I know it's not the end. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Thank you.